what's going on, everybody? This is SecDevOps.ai. Yes, sir. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. Always good to be back on the show. So, fellas, this is a little different. I'm over here on the end. What, what's going on with yeah, that? Well, why yeah, why am I over here? What? <laughs> Somebody get, must be in the hot seat. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting edged out by Napoleon being over here. <laughs> That's my seat. <laughs> So we have some pretty cool stuff to share. We're going to be sharing a post written by you. So it yep. is kind of like you're in the hot seat. For I this am. Episode. Yeah, I'm in the hot yeah. seat. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what inspired this post about the intelligence easy button. Yeah. So the intelligence easy button. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. Not necessarily the concept itself, but just an easy way to distill the things I've learned over the years of building threat intelligence capabilities or just intelligence capabilities, period. Not even necessarily just threat intel. But as you guys know, we had Jerry Seinfeld come to the Netflix campus. Yeah, He was dropping bombs about his career, like his, you know, wanting to do more mentoring for young and upcoming comics. And that really sparked a fire in me, and I was thinking, what could I do to help people that that has scale, right? Mm -hmm. What can I put together that could actually be really impactful for people that are looking to either build threat intelligence capabilities or just level up their threat intel capability? So I read in the post, and we'll jump into exactly the easy in just one second, but I read the post, and you mentioned that this is your first acronym. Yeah, it's my <laughs> first acronym. Congratulations. You know, yeah, thanks. <laughs> you know, the marketing people, they, they come up with acronyms all the time, and I just never felt like I had a nice, clean acronym to make from something that I've done in my life, something that I thought would help people along the way. And this one just kind of came naturally. I was like, wow, wouldn't it be cool to have like a nice easy button to press for threat intelligence? Amazing. Nice, nice segue into uh, <laughs> easy. <laughs> easy. Shall we say. So what do we have here? So uh, let's break it down. E for illicit requirements. Yep. A for assess collection plan. Mm -hmm. S for strive for impact. Yep. Y yield to feedback. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Quick and easy. It is quick and easy. <laughs> one of the... the Parts. One of the the first acronym that I really love is the the E part. Uh, yeah. Illicit requirements. Yep. I I think a lot of the times, especially in my world, uh, requirements aren't flushed out. They're not quite clear. They could be quite confusing. So let's go ahead and dive deep into the first part of the easy button. Yeah, illicit requirements, and this applies to any type of intelligence or even any type of service that you put together. Knowing exactly what your stakeholder requires is the n number one thing for any service, in my opinion. But specifically for a threat intelligence, I've seen people build threat intel capabilities and go and build threat intelligence services with their frameworks in mind. Not even thinking about the stakeholder, not thinking about the organizations that they're serving. They just come in and they say, this is what we've always done. And we're just going to shove it down your throat until you like it, which is not the way to do things. Happens way too often. Yeah. Way too often. And why is that not such a good thing? Can you expound upon that? Yeah, because each, number one, people are different. Number two, organizations are different from everything from the technology that they're using to their processes to just the people that they have on their team. Like everything is going to be different. So if you tailor your service to the people that you're working with, then you're going to have a, a much better program. Oh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on capturing requirements? Do you, uh, 
Uh, how what what is some of the things that you think about when you're trying to capture information that's going to be valuable to the stakeholders you're working with? Yeah, so I think uh, evaluating uh, your stakeholders' uh, requirements are an important fac- factor uh, for a number of reasons, just like you mentioned. Uh, tailoring it to your specific needs mm-hmm. um, gives it that home feel, uh, that bespoke feel. Absolutely. Like these services are meant for me and this information is going to be useful to me because it takes into account everything that I needed in order to make my my program successful. I love that you said bespoke because every vendor and their mom was like, tailored intelligence, tailored <laughs> intelligence. While it's a great concept, like it became like this buzzword. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, you know, no one's really saying bespoke. Because <laughs> <laughs> something can be tailored, but bespoke is like a next level. Well, because well, it's like. Let it, let it be known that started here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> bespoke intelligence. Yeah, bespoke intelligence. I love it. One of the things that you mentioned at uh, the meetup a few weeks ago was. Uh, sometimes requirements have to be dropped. The technology yep. might not be there. The budget might not be there. Right. I think that's one of the important things to think about when thinking about requirements is thinking also about which ones sound, which ones seem realistic. Yep. Which ones are capable because of your infrastructure, the people, or the processes that you have in place. Yep. Absolutely. Brilliant. And and what's funny is that segues perfectly to the next one. Let's go for <laughs> it. Let's do it. <laughs> Which is assessing your collection plan. So whenever you get these requirements, you have to have the sources in order to answer those requirements. If you come into an organization and you've always used a particular vendor for their threat intelligence feed and you just bring it in like, you know what, I'm just going to go with the one I know because that's all I know. That is not the way to go. You want to be able to assess the feeds that you're using, the vendors that you're using, because they they could have the answers to the requirements that you are looking to answer. So assessing the collection plan is not a one-time deal either, because requirements change. That might mean that your collection changes as well. Absolutely. And I, I think this uh, quote that you put at the top was very <laughs> was very smart here. Everybody has a plan until they get hit. Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike yeah. Tyson said that. Absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, if uh, you come in, you assess, your, you assess the requirements, uh, just like you said, things change in the environment, and maybe requirements change. Maybe they don't need something. Maybe they need something you know, maybe something has been pushed to pre- P1, priority one. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you know, now you have to change your plan. All of a sudden, the good plan, you know, is invalid. Yep. Got to come up with something new. Right now, I'm in vendor space, and when they, when customers bring in our technology, uh, they have to completely reassess their entire infrastructure because a lot of things for the technology that I work with uh, is all built around it. It's all based off of automation. So, it's so important to assess that that one especially the quote hands down the yeah. best <laughs> <laughs> i do love that quote <clears throat> yeah so you were also talking a bit in this point about feeds and how they're not for every team yep uh we don't have to get into the specifics of how to uh, assess a feed right but what are some questions that come into your mind before you even start assessing right so it's all about metrics If you have a feed and it's giving you valuable intelligence and you're able to see that we're getting tippers every week that we're actually actioning and able to make actions to better secure our security posture, then that's a good sign. 
if you've had a feed and you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and you've had zero actions from it, then you might want to reevaluate. Good point. Good point. Uh, I, I've seen quite a bit where uh, customers and organizations, enterprises, uh, they'll leave these feeds on to kind of check off the box. Yep. We, all, we often hear like checking off the box. I have this source. I have these indicators. I have this indicator type. Right. But they don't really go that far if you don't have the detection capability to actually match upon it. Yep, absolutely. So what is the S? Strive for impact. Strive for impact. So before I even get to this point, because this part is probably the most important. When I put these together, this was an amalgamation of about 10 plus years of doing intelligence. Just period with the government, with private sector, different type of organizations, different verticals, like just all over the place. If you looked at my LinkedIn, you can see there's like a bunch of different organizations, <laughs> all the way from like even including my own company, right? Mm -hmm. And all of those experiences, the majority of the teams that I was assessing or guiding, there was a little emphasis on actual impact. There was a lot about the regurgitation of information from open source, maybe even some closed source, but literally it was just that. This is what we saw, paste it somewhere, send an email, send a weekly product, and that's it. People would say that's nice, but what's the so what? What is the context in which we need to be looking at this intelligence to make a decision to reduce risk for an organization? Yeah, and I, I think that uh, this is a perfect example of how um, your easy button interweaves the different cornerstones that you've put in place. Mm -hmm. uh, this goes right back to, you know, the E for illicit requirements. Mm -hmm. You know, so if uh, you're looking to make the biggest impact with this information, right. go back to the requirements. Are you meeting those requirements? Yeah. If the checkbox says yes, then guess what? That right. shows that you're going to make an impact with that, that product. Absolutely. That is the foundation is the, is the requirements piece. Yep. Very much so. When I am looking at the impact, it's, it's actually, it could be tough to determine that you're making an impact or that you're striving for an impact until that impact is made. Yeah. Uh, so again, yeah, going back to the requirements, looking, I, I try to keep in constant communication with my stakeholders. Absolutely. To assess the impact that I'm providing. You know, yeah. the requirements is one thing, but communicating with the different teams and making sure that everyone's on the same page as the project progresses, as you guys iterate over uh, tasks and priorities. Mm -hmm. That's that's typically what I what I measure for, but right. this is all good information for just having kind of a, a slew of things to assess or look at for looking for impact. Yeah, and that's huge because I do have a sheet where I have all of my stakeholders, and when's the last time I actually had an interaction with them? And some stakeholders, they want to be like lower touch, like just check in every once in a while, maybe once a month, maybe even once a quarter. Others, they want to hear something either every day, every other day. They, mm -hmm. they love Intel and they just can't get enough of it. It's not that the other stakeholders don't love Intel, but they have, maybe they have less of a use for it, specifically for their mission. And so that's, that's huge. And when it comes to impact, you want to gauge that appetite for intelligence as well. So let's move on to the why, yield to feedback. 
Uh, this was one of the things that I actually uh, saw that one of our friends was commenting on yield to feedback or yield for feedback. And I really liked the answer that you gave. Yep. So let's go ahead and repeat. Uh, why is it yield to rather than yield for feedback? Yield to feedback because you don't control what that feedback is. Hmm. So you receive the feedback and then you let it happen to you. Because if you say, oh, the stakeholder doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm going to continue to do as I'm doing or the program is doing. You're, you're doing your stakeholder a disservice. So you want to yield to the feedback because whether they're right or they're wrong, something needs to change in order for this relationship to continue. Yeah. And actually, this is uh, one of my favorite uh, cornerstones of the framework, the yield to feedback, because it seems like feedback is always what um, is essential for, for change. Yep. Um, you know, someone tells you, hey, good job on this. So you know that you're, you know, you, you've done your, your, your due diligence, right. your, mm -hmm. your good deed. And then you know how to get better because now you've mastered that one thing. So yep. it tells you to improve here, you improve that, and you continuously get better. So I definitely love this uh, part of the framework. Oh, thank you. Yes. Uh, I really like that explanation. Uh, I know I find myself in the situation where I'm yielding for feedback. I'm kind of biased. I'm very technical. I'm mm -hmm. deep into the weeds. But realizing that you can't control every part of the project, realizing right. that there's other parties and interests at hand, it kind of makes me think about this one quite a bit and thinking about iterating over the process again. Mm -hmm. When I'm yielding the feedback, it's easier for me to assess requirements mm. the second time around, assess yep. the impact and mm -hmm. assess all the other pieces and also receive feedback in a more positive fashion if it wasn't something that I agreed with previously. Yep. Yeah. One thing that I, I noted in one of the sections, but I think it applies to all of the sections, is that in the intelligence space, it's not about you. It's not about the Intel program. It's not about the Intel analysts. It's about the stakeholders all the way through. So all the way from looking at the requirements, those are other programs requirements. To the collection plan, you're looking for collection for other people's mission. All the way down to the, even the feedback, because the feedback isn't about you, it's about what they perceive. And perception is king. So if they're telling you that something is off, change it. If you're doing something well, keep it. It's all about the other. Intel is a service-centric function. You're supporting other people. Nice. Yes. That was a nice breakdown of the easy button. <laughs> I like it. So how exactly did Seinfeld inspire all of these uh, pillars of the framework? Because he, he's a master of what he does. Whether you think he's funny or not, I think he's pretty funny. Some people don't. You can't deny his ability to make an impact in his industry. Mm. He, I think he's like probably the richest comedian that ever lived through his Seinfeld show and all this stuff. So he's a master. You can't dispute that. But his desire to help other comics, you know, early comics like in their careers, like to help bring them up inspired me to be like, you know what, I need to start giving back. I, I know I'm doing talks and stuff like that, but what's something tangible that I can say, here, here you go, this has helped me along my career, I think this might be able to help you. Wow, that's, what, so, that's so impactful. So how would you say something like this would have contributed to your early career um, in the industry? So it's funny you <laughs> ask. <laughs> it's funny you ask because I've made all the mistakes. I've come in 
thinking about the ways I've always done things. I've come in with vendors that I've always used. I've, you know, not yielded to feedback. I've made all the mistakes and just through experience and the grind and helping different organizations over time, that's why I came up with this. I was like, you know, this is this is this is it. This is what you need to know in order to do something great with a Intel organization. So if I had this when I started, maybe I'd be way better off now. But uh, he would be a stakeholder. Yeah. Key <laughs> <laughs> stakeholder. Yeah. So yeah. in which case we'd still be talking about you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that you mentioned uh, to me uh, before this show was that Seinfeld was working on a joke or a few jokes over the course of many, many years. Yep. I'm excited and looking forward to you continuing on ex- uh, providing more information and right. background and applicability about this framework and seeing, you know, you take some of the inspiration that Seinfeld gives you yep. and, like you were saying, provide it back to the community and also importantly yourself. Yeah, I'm looking to dive a little deeper into each one of the, the concepts and the sections because there's a lot of lessons learned that I've learned over the years. I, I want to share this with everybody and just say, these are all the mistakes that I've made over my career. I think we can use this to just level up as a as an industry, just intelligence in, in general. So business intelligence, you know, stakeholder intelligence, threat intelligence, all intel- intelligence or even services. So that's, that's what I'm looking to do. Threat intelligence is a service. It is yes. a service. It is a service. Okay, great. This was really amazing. Um, I'm excited. Uh, I'm definitely going to apply this to my own, uh, you know, career and work and awesome life in general. High praise, <laughs> especially on threat intel. Who is going to find this? How are people going to leverage uh, this if they already don't have access to LinkedIn or Sec DevOps? Uh, what's a what's a way that others could find a resource like this? So what I'd like to do is kind of do like a communications plan for something like this. We're doing the show now. This will get shared out on YouTube. Uh, Once we get audio going on, we'll send it through iTunes and Spotify. But I'm actually looking to take this on the speaker circuit. I want to start addressing people in person. And so people can actually come up to me when I'm at these events and ask me pointed questions because there might be things that strike a chord with people and there might be things that people disagree with. And I'm always open to feedback. Farming for dissent is really important in Netflix culture. And so I want to hear, I want to make it better. If we can make it better, crowdsource it, make it something that the whole industry uses. And even if it doesn't belong to me, even if it changes 20 times over, we did something good for the community. Oh, yeah. Nice. All right. Well, as we always ask uh, whoever's in the hot seat, what is the best way for someone to get in contact with you to make a comment, to reach out? Yeah, the best thing to do is either go to the secdevops.ai website. We're doing some changes, a little housekeeping, make a little, <laughs> a little facelift. Makeover. Uh, but uh, for those of you that know me, I'm really big on LinkedIn. I think it's an awesome platform to reach out to a lot of people that are looking to do a lot of great things and, and tech and careers and, and all of their, their different industries. So LinkedIn would probably be the number one place to reach me. Excellent. Cool. All right. We have some more exciting episodes in the near future. We have some other special guests coming on. And yep. we're going to definitely be seeing Napoleon on most of the videos. So that's, yep. that's very exciting. <laughs> Love it. All right. So we will wrap it up and we'll see everybody next time. That's All it. right. See you guys.